good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 83, and I am very excited to have a gentleman on that I met at Snow Valley, Del Leonard, the head girls basketball coach at Mountain Home, Arkansas High School. I was thinking about this, Coach. Uh, I feel like I've kind of got a bit of a monopoly on Northern Arkansas basketball between you and Greg White and Mike Neighbors and Jim Boone. I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm an unofficial Arkansas resident at this point well, from a pen and a napkin. Well, that'll do it. And I tell you, it's an honor for me to be mentioned with those guys. Those are great guys and great coaches. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure we're going to have a, a great podcast with you, just like we had with those guys. Uh, but before we get going, we of course want to recognize our sponsor, uh, our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CossackChiro.com. That's K O S A K C H I R O.com. Or to make an appointment, you can give them a call at 402 964 0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin, at a pen and a napkin. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, go to if, Obviously, if you're listening, go to iTunes, download, rate, review, give us five stars so we can get the word out to gain momentum and ratings so that we can help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. And of course, go check out a pen and a napkin.com. Uh, which is a growing website for coaching resources for coaches to help them hone their craft. And I'm going to be doing some remodeling with that this weekend and over the next few days to kind of change some stuff around on there. So hopefully within the next, uh, by Wednesday or Thursday, there'll be some new things on the website. So Coach Leonard, how are you doing on this early Saturday morning? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, you've you've had a heck of a run there at Mountain Home. Um you know, like I do with 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 uh, most of my guests, I just wanted to give folks that don't know a lot about you uh, a chance for you to tell your story, talk about your basketball journey, and and how you and I have ended up on this glorious Saturday morning uh, talking hoops together. Well, I I guess I could start by saying that I never thought I would be coaching girls basketball would be the first thing, and and, and the way it happened was was um, kind of neat. And I started out uh, my high school coach. I had a job at Mountain Home, and, and I had just graduated from college. And I always thought that I would coach college baseball. I played baseball for four years and uh, thought I would just end up going that route. And I ended up getting hired at Mountain Home just in a, as an assistant. I actually was the, um, the in-school suspension monitor, which <laughs> – um, you know, was an uncertified pay and was just trying to grab any kind of coaching position I could get just to, as they say, get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And I volunteered to be on the uh, boys and girls uh, high school basketball staff. And then a, a year later, the assistant uh, for the girls staff ended up just staying in junior high. She had started a family and, and wanted to let go of some things and the high school coach asked me to be her assistant and it just went from there she I was with her for two years uh, actually three years and she's a hall of famer and 
was the best thing that happened to me as far as coaching girls was was being under her and seeing how she did things and I was lucky enough to get the job and you know 23 years later here I am I've been coaching for 26 years um, at the same place 23 years as the head coach and been really lucky uh, to coach a lot of great kids from from great families and feel like we have a really strong culture and and we have a lot of tradition here. Mm-hmm. After, after 26 years in the same school, can you close your eyes and walk around and not hit anything? Probably, probably <laughs> so. <laughs> it's, uh, it's you know I think about that. Uh, there there have been some close calls where you know recently, just recently this past spring where there was another job offer and it's, it's really comfort sometimes is a great thing, but sometimes it's, it's not a great thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, you want to always challenge yourself, but it's, it's hard to imagine with the roots that we've set here, not just within the school, but the community uh, being somewhere else. Mm-hmm. What are, uh, what are some of the advantages and some of the disadvantages of of being at a place for a long time, you know, uh, because I think you're right, Dell. I, I think that it's important that you look to challenge yourself. Sometimes it's good to reinvent yourself at a new place. Uh, being at a new place can re-energize you. Uh, but so, in in your eyes, what are what are some of the advantages of being at a place for? A, we'll start there with the advantages, and, and then we'll talk about some of the disadvantages of being at a place for a long time. I think the advantages are that, you know, having having total control, really kindergarten through 12th grade here with basketball from our feeder program, which we call our top flight program. We are the Mount Home Lady Bombers. Mm-hmm. So our, our feeder program is the top flight program. And, you know, knowing enough people and having enough contacts and especially former players that can come back and run that feeder program the way that they know you expect things to be in your program. Mm -hmm. And then seventh grade uh, through 12th grade, um, having total control with hiring coaches, um, hopefully not having to ever fire coaches, but sometimes it does happen. But the, the ability to, to develop those relationships that have bonded and, and grown over the years to, to develop that strong program. And, you know, then the other side of it is, you know, knowing the guy in town that if you need something, if you need your old change, you make a phone call or if you, you got a <laughs> car trouble, you know, it's like people make, we've got a guy here in town that a family that owns a tire company and, uh, you know, their kids went through our program and I literally can call and say, Hey man, I've got a, a flat tire. They'll come to my house or to my school, you know, mm-hmm. and, some of some of those things like that, uh, just those connections of people you've made over the years. There's there's so many there's so many advantages. Um, the challenge, you know, just to talk about new challenges. I still think what I've learned is you can be at one place and still you can still create new challenges for yourself in, in different areas and, and to help yourself continue to grow. The disadvantages. I mean, for me, it's simple. It's you know when you. When you coach, as you know, Marty, not everybody's always going to be happy with your decisions. Yeah, and and when you coach at the same place, and I think it may have, it may have been Coach Showalter that said this, or he he quoted it from someone else that the every year you're going to upset five families, and no matter what you do, 
with your decisions, even though you're trying to do right, you know, mm-hmm. by your kids, by your program, and do what you think is right, you're always going to upset people with your decisions. And when you're coaching somewhere for 26 years and you start to do the math on that, <laughs> you, you know, uh, some people, you know, they they'll look back and realize that you know you did the, you were doing the right thing, and and some don't. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we are a, we are a small actually a small town i mean we're about ten thousand, but we play in the conferences with west memphis and little rock and jonesboro and and the fort smith area so we, we're playing against schools that are similar in size even though we're at the bottom of the list when it comes to school population in our classification we're still playing against some uh, really large communities but so you know, to make that many people upset over time, you're going to have some people out there that aren't big fans if you've been there for 26 years. But on the same side of it, you're going to have people who are really big supporters too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think you're right with that. I and I I think that for uh, coaches who are kind of going through this the first time, like it's a it's a little bit of a shock to the system that first angry email that you get oh, yeah. for that, you oh, know, yeah. where, you know, you, you know, even though you kind of mentally prepare for it, you still, you still can't prepare for it per se. No, you can't. And they don't teach you that in college. No, they don't. No, they don't. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had, uh, I've been fortunate enough and I feel like, you know, in, in my, um, you know, good standing, I guess would be the way to say it. I don't, I don't know how, uh, but a year later, Two years later, five years later, I, I've had more than a few conversations or an email saying, "Hey, you know what? I was wrong. You were right. Looking back on it, I was acting pretty immaturely yep. as a as a parent." And uh, you know, that's it, it, you're not sitting there keeping score, like, oh, "Okay," right, you know. Right. Uh, but it does uh, as you get older. It helps you. Uh, just, not justified, but it helps you feel more comfortable with your decision making that, you know, ultimately some of these folks are going to come around, even though they're mad today, at some point they're going to understand that what I'm doing is the right thing. Well, that's a great point. And, and those are some of the most, and I'm not going to say gratifying or like, you know, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's good when you get those along with, you know, the, the player that calls you and they have their first child or mm-hmm. you get that wedding invitation. You know, I had a player one time, uh, right. She had been dismissed her senior year. And, you know, I say dismissed, she left the program and she wasn't going to get to play much and, and, uh, didn't really leave on good terms. But about, uh, four years later, I got a, a letter, a handwritten letter. She had been writing a their English teacher in college made them, write a report on a book and i believe the name of the book was coach and um it was um she said it reminded me of you and i just thought about all the lessons and everything that you taught me and and i want you to know there's no hard feelings and i totally understand the situation and, and why you did what you did and you know that's that's speaking to what you were saying that's a that's a great letter to get and i look forward to those and those mean a lot to me yeah exactly um you have uh you know, I want to talk about mentors a little bit with you, Dell. Um, okay. You you put down a, a couple of guys, and I started you know doing a little research, and and, and uh, Joe Foley uh, from Arkansas Little Rock, uh, not a household name when it comes to women's basketball, uh, but my goodness gracious, what a what a run! 
uh, five-time Sun Belt Coach of the Year, uh, was uh, named one of the most 100 influential people in women's basketball, uh, but but nobody's ever heard of him um, per yeah. se on the on the on the uh, national level, uh, unless you're a deep dive basketball nerd type of person. Uh, talk right. about Coach Foley. Talk about what has made him uh, such a a special. Uh, coach, uh, his influence on your career, just all the way down the line. Well, you know, in, in Arkansas, everybody knows who he is, and and then anybody that's ever had to coach against him, obviously they know who he is, and he um, he's just somebody that early in my career, I wanted to, you know, just find find a college coach that that I could go and work their camps and and learn from and I never I never really dreamed that it would develop into the the friendship that it has developed into today and you know coach Foley uh, he was at Arkansas Tech and I started going to down to Russellville and driving down there and working his camp and I'm I'm telling you Marty we're talking Snow Valley camps yeah. I mean it was it was early in the morning until late at night and five days a week and the, the kids definitely got their money's worth and just developed that relationship with him and I would start to call and ask questions I would start to go watch practice and then he would just say come on down and you can just you can stay with with us stay at our house and and uh just really became close friends and his his system of motion offense and man-to-man defense I just kind of cut my teeth so to speak and, and really dove into that and, and bought into that and started teaching it. and that's what helped us I feel like have more success uh, than we probably would have had here at our program and just a really good person who gives back to the game he's been an unbelievable friend and mentor and you know to be able to pick up the phone and, and call Coach Foley and, and just ask for advice or talk about anything he's he's always been there and, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. And, you know, he's he's one of those guys in, in Arkansas. Everybody knows who he is. And mm-hmm. he could easily be standoffish and and kind of, I guess, big-time people and, yep. and not really. But he doesn't. He's he's always been there for not just for me but for anybody. And, you know, he's, he's getting to the end of his career now. And I, I'm happy for him. But, but, you know, I hate that I can't. I won't be able to go watch practice and things like that because it's it's the best clinic I could ever go to. And But then again, you know, he, I know even in retirement, he's always going to be there uh, to help. And, gosh, I, I look forward to maybe when he's retired just having him come up and stay with me a few days and, and work work with our team. But yeah. he, and he's I know genius is a word that's thrown around a lot, but in my eyes that's – that's what he is, and you know, he does. He teaches an offense that a lot of people uh, don't teach anymore, um, and because I think it's it's very it takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's it's a, a true motion offense is still very effective today, and then the way he teaches defense is it's just to me it's next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, genius is a word that. I've never been associated with just the record, <laughs> me, <so. laughs> me either. Me either. Um, talk, talk about uh, the the uh, the importance of mentors, and and I know that I have, I don't know, two, three, four coaches that I can kind of call and ask for advice, and um, you know, 
and and just 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 to be able to pick their brain to be to be able to reach out to them and just say here's my problem can you help me out with it um you know how important is that for a coach especially a younger coach or or even middle age coaches like you and I to to still have in their in their lives and and to 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 help bounce those concepts and ideas off of especially when you know when you just need some when you just need an ear to to, to bend well, they're huge, and I would say even for guys, you know, like us who've been coaching for 25, 26 years, it's the one thing is you can trust them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the most important thing. The other thing is they've been there. Mm-hmm. They've probably been the exact situation that you're talking about or calling about, and if they haven't, they can still give you advice on how to handle it. And, you know, and, and I think that you're talking about someone who truly – you're talking to a, a man or a woman who truly care about what happens with you in that situation. And, you know, when I, you know, coach Foley is someone that I, that I call in those situations and I mentioned, I mentioned Dennis Copeland and, and Janet Wood. And I talked to Mike neighbors a lot. And uh, those, those people, um, along with just your closest friends, I mean, you know, Mike and I are the same age, but I still use him for mentoring mm-hmm. just because of the level and where he's been at. He's seen it all. And just mainly because you know they care and they're going to lead you in the right direction. I think it's so important, especially for young coaches. And and you think you may think coming into coaching that what if you were a great player or you, you know, flew through college and can't wait to get that job and you may think you know it all, but there's so many things that happen that you never dreamed would happen Mm -hmm. and and even even for older coaches as things begin to i think the the mindset of parents and players has changed so much in the past 10 years that even as you get older and a veteran so to speak you still see things you've never seen before Mm -hmm. yeah well I don't know how much time Coach Neighbors has to talk to you now. He's changing so many diapers that uh, he he might not have time. I got to be on a FaceTime with him and Bowen the other day, and man, I tell you what, he's busy, but he's he's having a great time, and he's he's loving life right now, and I'm real happy for him and and JC and their family. Yeah, I I I can't imagine. I'm a year away from being an empty nester, and I'm looking forward to. You know, not I. I will miss my children terribly, but I just uh, right. uh, having a having a youngster at fifty fifty one. That, yeah. that would be yeah. that'd be a handful, but uh, yeah. great great problem to have. Great, yeah, problem absolutely, to have. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. A pen and a napkin university is a series of courses designed to help any coach at any level to hone their craft in the off season, starting with the first full week in July to help develop your coaching skills. The four courses are personal growth and development, building your X's and O's philosophy, building your program and fundamentals and drill work. Each course is seven weeks long with a new topic each week to dive into. The best thing about a pen and a napkin university is its flexibility. You can sign up for a weekly topic, an entire course, or the entire program. It's whatever fits your schedule and your budget. To register for one or all 28 topics, go to a pen and a napkin.com. Uh, the last week, we're in the last week of personal growth and development. This week's topic is media relations, social media, and fundraising. So so, so sign up for our university program today. Coach, don't sell yourself short. You've had a heck of a run there at Mountain Home. Is it 18 consecutive state tournaments that you've been to? Um, actually, last year was the first year where you didn't get in for the first time. And honestly, see, it's kind of weird because it's bookend a little bit for me. 
23 years as head coach. So I did the first year that I was head coach, we barely missed it. Mm-hmm. And then we went every year consecutively until this past season. So, gotcha. so 21 years consecutive. 21. And, and then in the first year and this past year is only two years we didn't get in. Okay. So that's why I teach history and not math. That's why I can't count. So, <laughs> um, so obviously, um, and, and I know you've been a little frustrated that you haven't been able to get over the hump and 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 cut down those nets at the end of it uh but what uh what's been the key uh because obviously you're doing something really really right and I, i guess the question would be what's the key what have what are you doing to get your teams to really peak in in february and march so that you're able to make that quality run each season i just feel like that you know i i listened to your um, one of your podcasts earlier about team bonding and team building culture building and i think we're really good at that and and i think it's something where when a group of kids uh, work together and we we've i got this from our former head coach the lady that i worked for janet woods who is a, a huge mentor and you know she says we're not ever going to out Work. We're not going to ever be able to out-athlete people as far as outrunning them or out-jumping them with the people that we have to play against, but we can outwork them. Mm-hmm. And we really we try to do that, and and we work extremely hard. And we we've really our staple has been man-to-man defense. And I think that a lot of people say they play man-to-man, um, but I'm not sure if they really really work on it as far as. Uh, buying into it as their base defense and we 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 like it because we can tweak things and i don't i don't want to get off into that avenue because that might be something we talk about later but mm-hmm. we we really really buy into that and then the the team building and the team culture and i think i really think our players it's not always perfect at the beginning and you have to go through certain obstacles but by the end if if they really truly care about each other then i think they can accomplish great things uh, we put academics on a very, very high, yes, a very high standard. Um, you know, and it's just trying to make sure that every player knows that we care about them. And I, I would hope that if someone asks, and I'm tr- the the player with the least talent or the player who gets the least amount of playing time, I I heard a coach say one time, if you want to, if you want to know if your team thinks you're a good coach, ask your worst player. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and I, I would like to think that that player for us uh, knows that I care about them and that we care about them. And we um, have a pretty consistent weight program. I think with the athleticism that we have to go up against that, that we, you know, we have to have the weight room. We have to be serious about it, but just the, the discipline and fundamentals on the basketball court. And that's something that we just, we start with them at a young age and we try to we try to really put that in and and you know controlling tempo things like that Mm -hmm. it's it's in every year you know it changes with your team and and who you have and offensively i think things have changed over the years depending on our personnel but those other things have always been you know the rock of of that's been our foundation that's been what we really hang our hat on Mm -hmm. um Speaking of Foundation Friday number 79, team bonding activities, self-promotion plug. Yes, I'm doing that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I, I threw some stuff out there, some stuff that we've done to, to help bring our teams together. Uh, 
you know, along with that, uh, with that list of things, what are, what are two or three things that you guys have done that have, uh, really been good for you when you're talking about building that culture and building that bond between your players? Well, we, one of the things that people really want to jump on quick here is how much we have to travel. And mm-hmm. our closest road game is, is three hours one way in conference. And our farthest is five at West Memphis. And, you know, I've, I've started looking at that as a natural team builder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're on the bus for, you're on a bus for three to five hours one way. You get to stop and eat. Uh, you know, at times you may stop just to walk around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so the kids are together a lot in, in that contained you know, area. And, and so we try to, if, if then we end up with some overnight trips, you know, that those can be turned into retreat type deals as long as you're, you know, taking care of business. Mm-hmm. So while a lot of people really talk about, gosh, that's such a disadvantage and that's so tough. You know, we try to look at it more as a great opportunity for team bonding and culture building and things like that. So we try to use a negative there and turn it into a positive. And I do think because of the type of kids we have that it, that does work in that manner for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we use a lot of the things that, that you talked about. I thought that, and, and some of them I'm going to use, but a, a lot of the things that you mentioned in the, in your podcast we use, but we also, the, probably the, one of the ones that I like the most is we do, um, a, a hero, a hardship and a highlight. Yep. And I got that from coach Showalter. Mm-hmm. And that's one where, Last year with the COVID issues, that was a big one for us. And what I noticed was because of COVID, some of the things that we were doing with our team bonding and culture building, we were, we couldn't do. Mm -hmm. And it, we had a, we had a very, we had, we had kind of a difficult situation last year and it was a team that really needed that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we didn't get that, but one of the things we did uh, that I thought was great was the the hero hardship and highlight and and they talk about someone who's a hero in their life. They go around the room and and they literally each player talks in front of the rest of the team and and we always say you know what we say in here you know stays in here unless you want to share it with your family but mm-hmm. you know don't share someone else's stuff that private things that they're sharing with you. So they talk about a hero and they talk about a hardship and and that's when they really hook each other mm-hmm. is when they, they, they open up, they become vulnerable and they share those hardships. And we had a couple of managers that, like I said, because of COVID, we hadn't, they hadn't really grown within the team like they did in the past. And I think that after that day that everybody was sensitive to everyone else and it just opened their eyes to some things. And I thought that was a great, that's a great team building thing that, that I got from coach Walter. Yeah. We've used that one as well and that's that's a uh, everybody can use it in a different way we did ours sure. um we we would just you know one person a day starting from the first day of practice we'd have one person share their hero hardship highlight and uh until we went through everybody with the team you know so it's a great. great way to to start out to see i would always go first because you know the kids aren't exactly sure what you're looking for with the exercise right uh but right. We, we we would have our assistant coaches do it we would have our managers do it and i think that's a great one it's 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 pretty short 
It's it's not going to take a bunch of time out of your practice plan, but it is a pretty powerful exercise to bring yeah. a team closer together and to have uh, everybody have a little bit better of an understanding of of what yeah. each person is, uh, where each person is coming from in their journey. Yeah, it definitely packs the most punch time wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's for one of the quicker ones that's really effective. It's definitely the best one I've seen. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I'll be charging you for the residuals from the ideas you use from uh, from my. <laughs> well, there's there's some good ones. If anybody's listening to this one, they need to go back and listen to that podcast if they're interested in it because there's some really good ones in there. Well, thanks. I appreciate. It. I'm sure. Uh, I'm I'm very very confident. I I uh, acquired most of those things from somebody else. So I I owe residuals down the line as well. So. <laughs> that's all. That's all. Coaching is. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just just sharing information and, and helping each other. And that's, you know, going back to those mentors and, uh, you know, that I mentioned Joe Foley and Dennis Copeland, Janet Wood, and, and all that's just the giving and sharing from coaches. I mean, that's what makes the business special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is a, uh, it is a close knit community, you know, and, uh, and that's what makes it great. So, um, speaking of a close knit community, um, how, underrated is the state of Arkansas when it comes to basketball. I, I, I believe that Arkansas is kind of a little bit of a hidden gem that people don't really think about when it comes to high school basketball and the quality of talent and the quality of coaches that come out of the state. Uh, am, I, am I right? Am I wrong? What do you think, Dale? Well, you sound like all of us down here having a conversation. <laughs> and, you know, it's. I think that Coach Musselman and Coach Neighbors have proved that now. And I think that's getting the nation's attention a little bit more because they are recruiting so much homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. And then you look they look at what they're doing with it and what they're what I think they're going to do with it. I think that's a great um, factor right there that that to to support what you just said. I mean, we've got I mean, girls basketball forever. You know, we were coaching against players in our league that one of them was going to Tennessee or one of them was going to Baylor. And then the same thing on the men's side. They just, we just weren't keeping them in state. Mm -hmm. And they they were spread out all over the place. So people weren't seeing them necessarily together at one university. And now you're starting to see that at the University of Arkansas. And that's, that's where the nation is starting to notice a little more. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, you go back to Eddie Sutton and oh, yeah. and and Sidney Moncrief and and all of those guys. Uh, the the reason why the biggest reason why I know that, and I'm going to give my dad some props here. He was uh, he got a he got his master's degree from the University of Arkansas, so uh, he was a big Sidney Moncrief fan, and so I got to hear a lot about that when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but then you go through and and Nolan Richardson gets hired, and you got the 40 minutes of hell. And, right. and you know a lot of a lot of homegrown guys with the with the great teams that he had there in the early and mid nineties and and then uh, you know Coach Neighbors has obviously done what he's done in a very short amount of time uh, right. to to kind of take that uh, sleeping giant a little bit of a program a lot you know is just kind of and the SEC is really tough when it comes to women's basketball yes. but I, I I think it's fair to say that. You know, there's probably some people that thought that the the program was underachieving uh, before Coach Neighbors took over, and he's kind of just taken it to another level as well. So I, I think the state is, uh, you know, you think of basketball, you think of high school basketball, you know, or, or college, or the combination of the two. You know, everybody goes to Kentucky or Indiana or that type of thing, but 
But I think right. Arkansas is there. Uh, my home state of Iowa um, is, yeah. is is kind of is, is underrated. I think Nebraska we're getting better and better. I think this last year in Nebraska, uh, probably the deepest group of talent uh, of individual players that we've had in the state right. since since I can remember in in twenty five twenty six years of coaching. So yeah. I, I think these little hidden gems in the Midwest are starting to shine a little bit more than they ever have. I think so too. And, and, you know, when you get into the, the age of social media and, and word getting out so much easier than it used to, I think that that's also helping a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, well, let's transition here, Dell. We're going to jump into the Don Meyer quote of the day, the goat Don Meyer. Uh, so feel free to comment on this one. It's a short one here today, coach. The Don Meyer quote of the day, when you watch the game, be a student of the game. Well, I I wish that our players would do that more. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, you know, when you, when you mentioned Coach Meyer, it took me back. And if you don't mind, I'd like to tell a little story. Go ahead. Um, I um, Coach Foley recommended to me, I, I asked him, I said, Coach, what's a good clinic or camp or academy I can go to? And he said, you need to go to Don Meyer's academy. And at the time, uh, he had just left um, Tennessee, and I'm trying to think of the university. Northern State. Northern State up in Aberdeen. Yep. Well, he's up, that's up in, in um, North Dakota or South Dakota, correct? It's it's about – Aberdeen is Aberdeen, about – uh, Yeah, it's it's about uh, 45 that's, minutes south of the North Dakota border. So Yeah, that's that's where I went to the academy, but he had been – he had been in Tennessee, and they went D1, and he didn't want any part of D1. Mm-hmm. So then he went up to Aberdeen. When I went to the academy up there, I, I flew up there, and, and I was in the in our practice gym one day. And I'm I'm a wet behind the ears, three years in head coach, and I get a phone call. And um, I answer, and it was Don Meyer. And uh, he said, Coach, I saw you signed up for our academy, and just want you to know that I'll have my assistant coach pick you up at the airport. And so go in, to, you know, fly in, pick me up at the airport and um, go through the academy. And I couldn't write fast enough. Mm-hmm. It was the it was one of the best things ever for our, for me. And it fit our kids perfect. And so I go through the whole academy and we get done. And I'm setting up in the bleachers because my plane doesn't leave until the next morning. Mm-hmm. And all of these post players start coming in. I mean, some of the best post post players in the country are coming into the gym and he's got a post camp next. And he comes up in the bleachers and sets by me and he asked me what I thought about the camp and the academy. And of course I was just overwhelmed with, you know, gratification. I mean, it was one of the best things I could have done in my career at that time. And, he said, well, where are you staying tonight? Or what time's your plane leave? I said, it doesn't leave till the morning. He goes, where are you staying? I said, I'm staying at the Holiday Inn over here. And he goes, no, you're not. You're staying with me. And uh, so I cancel my room, and I go to his house. His wife cooks. And I go down in the, the basement of his house, you know, kind of a, mm-hmm. a man cave area there. And Bill Self is down there. And um, Ral or not Ralph Sampson, uh, Coach uh, Sampson was Houston. Kelvin Sampson, Kelvin Sampson yeah. was there, and they're and I'm I'm in awe, and they're just talking basketball, and it's Coach Myers and those two, and I'm in I'm like just pinching myself, and 
they they start talking and every once in a while they'd say, Dell, what do you think? And I'm, you know, I'm tongue tied. I don't know what to say. And, um, coach, coach Myers gets a phone call and he kind of gets into an argument and, uh, I'm not going to, you know, say exactly what was said, but come to find out is Bobby Knight called him on the phone, you know? So I'm sitting here with these guys and then Bobby Knight's on the phone with coach Myers. And I'm like, this isn't happening, you know, but that was one of the neatest things that's ever happened to me. So when you, when you read a Don Meyer quote, I kind of went off to that place for a little bit. Yeah, I uh, I went up to that academy one time, and uh, it was just it was just awesome. It was just absolutely yeah. awesome, and uh, it was three days of just coaching nerddom. And absolutely, and uh, yeah. I agree with you. Couldn't write fast enough. Couldn't put enough stuff down. Uh, it was it was just. Terrific, terrific stuff. So um, I, I hear you barking there, big dog. That was yeah. That, that I, I've was, still got. I bet you I've got fifty VHS tapes of Don Meyer that I need to get transferred over to digital somehow. Yeah, I uh, I did that about eight or ten years ago, and then when I was moving jobs, I put it out there. I found about twenty of them, uh, twenty what? of the VHS tapes. And yeah. and I'm I'm like, ah, what do I do? Do I hold on? I mean, I, I wonder how much these are worth, like on the coaching black market. Yeah, you no know, uh, I, yeah. Need, I need to supplement that uh, retirement income some way, shape, or form. You know, <laughs> so, uh, but I, I held on to them. I chose to hold hold on to them, and I and I've got them in my new classroom. So they're yeah. they're still there. I, I thought about for for a split second. I'm like, when am I ever going to use these? But yeah. we're we're coaches. We're hoarders. We keep everything. Yeah, so absolutely. So they're still yeah. there. So. Um, all right, let's get into your X's and O's and talk about that a little bit. Uh, let's start with your transition offense and and what you guys do. Uh, trans- we'll go transition offense and then we'll go into transition defense. Uh, just for point of reference for you, Dell, as you get talking, if if you want to kind of you know link the two together, however you want to present it, Coach, just just okay. feel free. So uh, I'm going to let you cook here, as as I often say, and and if I've got questions, I'll try to jump in. Uh, but uh, just go ahead, tell us about your transition O philosophy. Well, I honestly, I it's used to we just get the ball up the floor as fast as we could and play into whatever happens. I mean, it was that was that was the and we would we would add a deal where you know we'd have a numbering system and maybe get into some kind of a cross screen high low or something that developed kind of into a secondary. But honestly, for me, I've I've tried to teach what coach neighbors is teaching and that is where he calls um, he runs the two locks or the two shooters to the dead corner um, he's got the dragon that is the person's getting their rebound just about every time and making the outlet pass to the guard who is his rabbit and then he's got um actually the rabbit is the one that's running to the front rim mm-hmm. and I, i've changed the names of um I've changed the names of the um, his spots. It's Dragon Rabbit Lock, and I'm going blank on what his point guard is right now. Uh, but yep, yep. it's it's for us. I've changed it to we're the Mountain Home Bombers, and I actually did this on his recommendation. And that is make it something that your kids will be proud of, or that they'll be able to relate to or gravitate to. So because we're the Bombers, I. I did not change the locks i kind of went with the the top gun theory where you know you're still locking in on the radar so i I left the locks the locks and our point guard is the maverick (laughs) and our uh 
our ice, our rabbit is the Iceman, and then our dragon is the Tail Gunner. And our kids really have, they love it. And we run that and we'll run that is, you know, obviously our primary break. And then we get into some uh, other stuff out of it that we've always done secondary type stuff that we'll have a package uh, we have a post package that we're really have gotten into a lot this summer and ran just because of our personnel so for us it's it's basically what arkansas does on the front end and you know mike says a lot that we're not running we're sprinting mm-hmm. as fast as we can go and he's you know he stats win your race and things like that early in the year to make them understand how fast they're supposed to run and that's a that's a totally uh, different uh, clinic there when you get into all of his stuff so because of our the 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 difference between the athletes that we have compared to what other people have we do really push the front part of that and then the post series that we run as a secondary those people are set up in those exact spots to get into that action and then if we don't get anything out of that then we're running whatever base offense against whatever defense they have so if they're playing man we're going to go just straight transition into the the post series or maybe for for a certain night it might be the horn series Um, and if we don't get anything out of that then we're running our base offense against a man and so that's that's something that that we do with our transition offense and and we'll dry run it every day as a warm-up and it's it's something that some years as you know marty you're going to be a little bit better Mm -hmm. at spots and get a little bit more out of that and some years it might be that secondary stuff that you get more out of and some years it might be the just the base offense and also you know what kind of tempo you want to have i think has a lot to do with it too and if we try to if we try to get in a track meet with north little rock or conway or west memphis I don't know if we're going to have enough bullets. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think you also have to be, you know, we'll always take wide open layups, but realistically, you know, being able to get those against better athletes sometimes, you know, you got to reevaluate what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So obviously if we can run and, and get easy stuff, we're going to do it and we're going to work on it. And I think it's a great way to get conditioning too and practice without having to line up and run without a ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's something that we're going to use. I mean, we're not going to say, okay, we're not as athletic as a lot of these teams, so we're not going to push. I think if you can steal a couple of baskets a game, I mean, sometimes that's the difference in the game. So we really are high on that, where a lot of people probably think we're not, but I feel like that it helps us in so many other areas. And then you start talking about transition defense. In order to be able to defend a high-level transition offense, you know, you, you kind of need to be able to do it in practice so you mm-hmm. can defend it. And transition defense for us, I would say, has been a huge staple to why we have had success because of the people we play against and the the amount of points that they score in transition. And the one thing that I don't think coaches um, really think about enough is blocking out and rebounding in transition Mm -hmm. defense. And so many of those teams – because they're going so fast, especially on the girls' side, they don't make that first shot as often as you would think, even high-percentage shots because they're they're going so fast. Mm-hmm. And so what, but what happens, though, is they get that offensive rebound and they get that little bunny, 
and that's what kills you. So we don't we we don't only spend a tremendous amount of time on transition defense, but we really concentrate, especially in film and, and statistics and things like that. On are we blocking out in transition? Because it's not going to be the guy that you walked out there at half court rubbing the bottom of your shoes for the jump ball saying hey i've got number 10 Mm -hmm. you know you might have your little point guard trying to block out number 55 who is 6'2 250 and you know you got to get it done and so we we try to create um disadvantage drills is what we call them where it's harder in practice and we have some things that i've gotten coach foley's really helped me a lot with transition defense and some of the drills that he does um we do a lot of five along the baseline. Uh, I don't, you know, just talking about it, you know, you've got five offense players on the baseline facing the other end. You've got a coach about the free throw line with a ball. And then you have the five transition defensive players, free throw line extended, like standing in front facing those five offensive players. Mm-hmm. And the coach, whoever you throw the ball to, on the baseline, if I'm guarding that man, I have to run and touch the baseline. So now it's five on four going back until that one catches up. Mm -hmm. Or you can call another name out, and that person has to go touch the baselines, and it takes away two defenders. So it's five on three with two chasers. Mm -hmm. And and then you just try to create that scenario in different situations. And we we do everything we can. Uh, We will get – there is – lucky for us, there is a weight training class with some pretty good boy athletes. They might be baseball players. They might be football players. But we will create a six-man team with them. And we, we like to use them a lot. To work on our transition defense, especially on, as I spoke to earlier, the rebounding side of it, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times your football players and your baseball players, they're good athletes, but they not may, they may not be able to finish very well. Yeah. So, so you got to really block out. But transition defense for us, Marty, is huge. I mean, it has, and, and I'm not opposed to sending, you know, on the average, we're always going to send two back. Um, there's been games where, We've started with three back, and there's been end of games where we're playing a high power team that they just 80% of their points come in transition. So we have a five point lead with three minutes to go. We might send five back. Yeah. So I, I, I have to say it, Dell. I'm disappointed. <laughs> no mention hey. of Goose. In, in, in the position. You know, that's a you good know. one. That's a good one. We might have to change that. We uh, might have to change that. I mean, he, he so. sacrificed for Maverick. He he, he, <laughs> he he gave Maverick the inspiration to come back to Top Gun. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you know. You know we're I, probably going to have to. You know, I thought about Jester. You know, I thought uh, of Goose. I, I may have to change a couple. You know, the, there's a new Top Gun coming out. Um, yep. I don't know if it's the end of. I don't know if it's this fall or next summer. And um, we're actually going to watch the original Top Gun and then try to go watch the movie together. And, of course, you know, all this COVID stuff, I hope it clears up so we're able to do that. But to give our kids a better understanding of I'm not sure this generation really appreciates the Top Gun movie like you and I do. That was uh, one of the top three or four traumatic experiences of my childhood in the 80s yeah. when when goose yeah. died and this is oh, you know yeah. this is pre-internet so you didn't know it was sure. gonna happen and then yeah. you know, goose dies and and <laughs> you know he meg ryan is now 
a widow and ah, you know. So I just got I just gotta say, uh, you know, I I would seriously reconsider. We will have put, to reevaluate in a goose, that, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, well, the uh, girls might just want to call me goose. That might be, <laughs> that, that might be the the winner for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we had uh, my wife and I. Uh, we when our especially when our kids were younger, when they got you know like when our oldest got to be about twelve ish, you know eleven or twelve. Uh, about once a month, we would have eighties movie night. And we yeah. would, we would sit down and okay we're gonna sit down and watch the Goonies all together we're gonna sit down and watch Top Gun all together we're gonna we're you yeah. know and we we just you know and and they hated Top Gun they really? hated Top Gun I'm like <laughs> how how do you not love Top Gun and they these oh that was terrible that was the worst one that we saw I'm like yeah all right well generation gap I guess so yeah exactly. Uh, um, I really like what you said about the the transition and getting people back. And I think sometimes, uh, sorry, we got sidetracked there, but it's my podcast. I can that's do what I want. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, I I think that you know sometimes we think um, we have to. And, and you were talking about going to the glass. I want to talk about that specifically when you're right. talking about defensive transition. Um, one of the things that I really took we used to uh, when my teams were bigger and more athletic. Um, we would send five kids to the glass. We would just say, if you got an angle to go to the glass, go to the glass. Right. But if the if the opponent got the rebound, uh, we did what we called smother, deny, and three back. And I I, I got that from a, a book a long time ago. It was a pressure defense book. It was like SOS pressure defense or something like that. Uh, right. But but uh, we would do that. Um, if if you're if you're on the ball, you smother the ball hard. You mirror the ball hard to make the outlet hard. The next closest person finds the outlet, and if you're not one of those two people, then you get three back, and you're putting right. pressure on the glass, but you're also getting people back, which was very successful. But but you know the adjustment that you have to make as a coach, and and here's where I'm coming full circle with this. Uh, you know, last year my my tallest starter was was five nine with her bangs curled, and <laughs> and um. You know, we were going out there with five, six, five, seven. We were not going to win a bunch of offensive rebounds on a consistent basis with that group. Um, and that's nothing against those kids were awesome to coach. I love right. coaching them every single day. So we had, I really had to rethink my philosophy. And we basically, at a minimum, we probably sent three kids back on right. each possession. And depending on the combination of players, it could be the middle of the second quarter. Nobody yeah. was supposed to go to the offensive glass, depending on who was out there on the floor. And yeah. I think uh, you have to make those adjustments to your teams. And, and you may think, well, we have to go to the glass. We have to go to the glass. Well, if, if you're not going to get it anyway, why would you go right. after it and then open yourself up to easy transition That's uh, right. in, in the end of that? What do, what do you think of that, Coach? Well, I think the best way to stop transition offense is when you have a great offensive rebounding team because mm-hmm. they're not going to be getting out so fast because they're going to be they're, eventually their coach is going to have to tell them to worry about you going to the boards and mm-hmm. you know the the best the best teams all around that we've all had is when we had that one horse that mm-hmm. could just get a ton of offensive rebounds and you know in 26 years here i've had three mm-hmm. that you know, we knew that she was going to get a double-double most nights. And we, we knew even when we had a bad shooting night that we were going to be pretty good because she was going to get the rebound most yeah. of the time. Yeah. And when you have 
those teams that naturally are, you know, one, one and a half, two girls that are just great offense rebounders, that's the best transition defense you could ever have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, what about the importance of, again, talking about transition D, the importance of shot selection on the offensive end to help your transition defense? Well, it's huge. And, you know, it's we last year we didn't do that well. And, uh, you know, that's the thing that, and that really revolved more around one person than it did the team. And, you know, we, we, I think that you shoot yourself in the foot. I mean, in so many ways right there, you know, it's, it's we, we would, we had a player that would, she would take a shot and I never saw her work on that shot in practice or, you know, it's something that just didn't fit into what we were doing. And, and it just puts everybody in compromising situations because in a lot of ways it's, the kids didn't know what was going to happen to the other four. And so, you know, you get, I think you get into a rhythm and in practice and you rep and you rep and you rep and, and kids know what shots that you're going to get. And it just kind of gets everybody in the same chemistry and working on the same page. But if you get, if you get somebody throwing up crazy shots, then it just puts everybody in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into to press breaks here and, you know, it sounds like you're playing a pretty high level of competition. You're going to have some good athletes, and I'm guessing you guys see quite a bit of pressure uh, with the teams that you guys play against. So let's bring this full circle here in the sense of we talked about attacking and transition offense. We've talked about getting back and, and preventing easy baskets for the other team in transition D. But now, you know, unfortunately, at some point, the other team's probably going to score during the game and they're going to attack you guys with some with some pressure. Uh, what are some different ways that you guys attack uh, pressure and, and, and try to make them pay for pressuring you? Well, when I was a lot younger, uh, one of the things that we would do is work really hard on getting out of the net and getting in as fast as we could and get to the other end and maybe a, even a sideline break type situation. And that, that was effective, but as the girls' game grew, uh, coaches – started doing so many different things and, and I'm not kidding Marty last year in the last five years it the prep for to get ready for every team was we had to prepare for a different press I think almost every game and it was it was either a, a one front diamond in one zone or a two two one um, one coach ran a two two one and a two one two and had a different rotation in the back that cause a lot of confusion half court traps full court man-to-man mm-hmm. and so for us we we had to literally have a different press offense for all of those and lucky for me i've you know the our kids are really good about being able to recognize what kind of front they're in and our guards are very vocal and if obviously if you can get the rebound on a miss, you know, some teams are really good about on a miss about dropping into a three quarter two two one, mm-hmm. and I think that that's gonna that's gonna become more common when we get the shot clock in yeah. Arkansas next year. You know, that because they're gonna milk they're gonna try to milk that first ten or fifteen seconds. Now, that may be something that we do as well because I think we can guard for twenty seconds. But mm-hmm. getting back to what I'm talking about is what what gets us more than the the made basket because as I spoke to earlier. We, we've got a plan there. It, it goes back to Coach Neighbor's system, which is you get it out of the net and you're getting it in quick and you're going. What kills us is when that ball's dead on the baseline uh-huh. and and they get to set up. But then what we try to do is, okay, let's let's look and see what they're in. And, and then you get into 
coaches that can disguise things and things like that. So we have about, I'm trying to think here, we have probably about five different press offenses that, that we have to we have to understand and and then in any press you know but you know you got your kids got to know don't you got to understand spacing don't dribble into a trap as as coach meyer always says you can engage it but don't marry it mm-hmm. and you know the retreat dribble i think the retreat dribble is huge for girls and just about every press offense that we have it is middle skip you know you're looking for that middle pass that skip pass man to man if you have a guard that can clear them out and go that's awesome but you don't you don't always have that um and if teams are really good about running and jumping you know you got to be able to recognize if your man leaves you to go jump you got to sprint back behind that trap and then you get back into the middle skip Mm -hmm. and you know i've i got to thinking the other day just about you know when when you get asked to to do clinics and things like that i got to thinking you know as many press offenses as we have to know that might be something that that we start to look at doing and those things. Mm-hmm. I think for, for me, as I've evolved as a coach, when it comes to attacking, especially full court pressure, uh, I really try to emphasize two major things. Number one, we want to minimize our dribbles because right. when you start dribbling, you start getting in trouble. And the second thing is diagonal cutters. And, yep. and if we can get diagonal cutters, at a good 45-degree angle. And, and we really emphasize, and, and we're very specific about our, our vernacular, uh, we we said we got to have great cutting and passing. Right. And But we always put cutting first, because if you, if you can't, if you don't make a good cut, then the pass is irrelevant because you're not going to be open. Right. And, and so that's a couple of things that we've done with our kids. Minimize the dribbles, great cutting and passing, and but the cuts got to be great first, otherwise the pass doesn't matter. And right. and that's that's and for us and, and I'm a guy who has done a lot of pressing, and those 45 degree angle diagonal cuts were always mm-hmm. the hardest things for us to guard when it came to pressing. So Absolutely. it only took me like 20 years to figure that out. That hey, <laughs> I keep getting my butt kicked with this. Uh, maybe maybe we should emphasize this more uh, right. when, when we don't have that one kid to clear it out. That's a great point, and you know I, I'm just thinking while you're talking about every one of our press offenses, and those are those are the two most important things for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys, uh, if you could, and I, again, I know this is this is the one thing I, I wish I could change about the medium here with the podcasting uh, to to show it, but can you walk us through uh, what you kind of believe to be your one uh, best press break that, that 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 has worked well for you? Yeah, we see a lot of we see a lot of uh, two fronts, and we just run what we call diamond. And this is say we're going against a two-two-one, mm-hmm. and you know, full court, three-quarter court. It can be aggressive. It can whatever or containment type press. We run diamond, and we'll put our point guard as the inbounder, and then we'll take two really good passers, someone who can throw it you know, the length of the floor diagonal if they need to or make a strong skip pass to the middle. And we'll put them on each uh, free throw line extended. So let's say that the point guard is inbounding the ball and then you have a player on each side. And then we'll take, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, 
a great ball handler or anything like that, but someone who definitely can catch the ball and move to a soft spot, we'll put them right in the middle. And then our post player will always stay ball side on the other end. Like she'll get on the other end on mm-hmm. the block and stay ball side. And our purpose for that is, and if you can imagine, I'm the point guard and I throw it in to the right side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. As, soon, as soon as that ball comes in to the right side and the press starts to, you know, move into their angles and their traps, the girl in the middle will step up to the ball and try to draw that backside uh, second-layer defender, offside defender to the middle. And what the opposite wing will do is she will run, as you spoke to earlier, at a 45-degree long diagonal sprint. Mm -hmm. And the post player is always moving ball side. So now you are removing that back defender, and you should have either a middle or a skip Mm -hmm. to that backside diagonal person if we don't have anything because most good teams aren't going to give you anything on the first pass yeah and so the point guard steps inbounds we throw it back to the point guard and everybody sprints back to their original positions so you have three people in the front you have a person in the middle and your post player is waiting to see which side the ball goes to and that guard's job is maybe just one or two quick dribbles to draw those first two defenders, to engage those first two defenders and to create that passing angle and swing it quickly to the other side. And then you just repeat the process. Mm -hmm. The post player runs ball side, the middleman steps up, so you suck in those two back defenders, and then that offside wing runs a long diagonal. We're looking for that long skip pass. Mm -hmm. And that that is very, very effective, very Mm -hmm. effective. If they change it to a 2-1-2, then you have to change some things up a little bit. But just in a nutshell, uh, that's – that's one of our better ones because a lot of people, as I said, and I think coaches are getting in the mindset, hey, we're going to start doing this because we're going to use a lot when the shot clock comes in. And it, uh, it's still, you think about that, Marty, We were, just in my description there, we reversed the ball. That probably would take 10, 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Just, and so now you think about strategy-wise, that's 10 or 15 seconds off the shot clock. Yeah. So I see a lot of people doing that. Um, I like our, our one front zone press. I mean, I like all of them. And it's, it's one of those things where we've messed around with so many different ones over the years. And we've, you know, used stuff like our boys coach at the time was Mitch Husky. He's now our AD. He, he's been, he's really good with his press off and stuff. And uh, I've, I've stole a lot of things from him and even had him come in and, and put it in for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I feel really good about uh, our press offense package. Yeah. Have you ever used uh, like a post player posting up in the middle of the floor to, oh, to help, um, to help break that? Yeah. Sometimes you just got to throw it up and let them go get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if you're struggling to get it across, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, all the time. And, and it depends on your personnel that year. You may not have a forward or someone that fits that spot and you have to bring that post player up. And then you, you might, we've, we've even put, moved our post player up to the middle and put a shooter, a really good shooter down there on the bottom mm-hmm. and that high percentage three point shooter and let, give them the freedom to shoot and catch and shoot that three against the press on press defense. Yep. Yep. And yep. Some, sometimes we put a water bug guard there in the middle, catch it and just go. Yeah. You know, just different things like that. Yeah. Just fitting your, 
the personnel that you have to work with to, right. to, to yeah. put your team in the best situation that you possibly can. And, and sometimes with us, it's, it's smoke and mirrors. I mean, <laughs> just, just, you know, you may have some weak spots that you have to hide mm-hmm. and, and just hope that the other team doesn't figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think that's the situation with 90% of us uh, right. as high school coaches uh, where, okay, we're not strong at this spot and this spot, how do we minimize yeah. that? And, yep. and and so how do we play to the strengths of these three kids and how do we minimize the weaknesses of these two kids uh, yeah. that are out there on the floor? But do it and in I a think, whole team collective. Right, and when those years, when you have success with those type teams, those are when you, you feel like that you've done a really great job and your kids have done a great job and overachieved and opposed to those years where you're – seven or eight deep with talent and there's a different kind of pressure there like if we don't win we we fail yeah yep exactly exactly and 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 you know talk, let's 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 jump down that rabbit hole a little bit let's let's wrap up on that Dell. how about that okay you know uh i i think sometimes uh people from the outside looking in and and if you've done this long enough and if you've been fortunate uh you, you've had seasons like this and i know that i've been there and i'm I, i'm sure you've been there um, you you get into those seasons where uh, there are those expectations, and and I, believe me, I would rather have expectations than not have anybody give a crap about what we're trying to do. Right. Uh, but sometimes those are the toughest seasons for coaches to coach. Uh, at least I've found that with with my coaching friends, with my own experiences. Has it has it been that way for you at times? I think the looking back on some of the most talented teams we've had and you know i can i can probably count on one hand um the years that we had what i would consider no weakness in any spot um i hate to say it but it's with with girls i think that you get into so many different dynamics of okay she did this or there might be a a chemistry conflict with a couple of girls and you may not know about it till it's too late. I mean, mm-hmm. there's been times where I can't, I'm like, what is going on? I can't put my finger on this. And on the outside, everything looked great, but come to find out, you find out years later that your two guards didn't like each other or something like that, you know? And that, I, I look back on that, those type teams. Sometimes those super talented teams can be more high maintenance and, you know, you got to really keep your thumb on those little things like that, which leads into the team bonding and the things we talked about earlier. But absolutely, you, you go into a game with a different mindset of, you know, we're supposed to win this game compared to you going to the game as an underdog and you're thinking, I think we're good enough. I think we're going to win this game. And those those are two different feelings. One of them is a feeling of relief and one of them is a feeling of elation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's just two different dynamics but yeah i i absolutely understand where you're coming from on that and uh now if you tell me which one would you rather pick uh, i'm probably going to take the five dudes that can go and play and deal with the circumstances because as you know and again going back to just things coaches have said i mean great players make great coaches there's no doubt about it and and then the 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 thing that i think when you get into those talented players, the the player led teams are so much better than the coach led teams. Mm-hmm. And when you do get that that team that's super talented, 
you know, it's, it is fun. But my experience here has been that when you get into so much talent, you get into a little bit of high maintenance type situations, whether it's one kid or no matter the situation or because, you know, because of a set of parents or, you know, who's recruiting my kid, you know, you get into different situations that aren't fun, mm -hmm. but I would rather, I would rather be, have that much talent to work with and, and try to put out those fires sometimes. But then there's also days where you ask me, I would say I would rather have, you know, one horse and four role players and, and go from there. And sometimes in girls basketball, if you've got a really solid guard and a pretty good post player and everybody else knows their role, then you can have a lot of fun there too. Yeah. We, we've talked about managing uh, your team and building culture and that type of thing. But, but when you do get into those high stress situations and, and like you said, and I've been there, uh, you know, yeah. and, and like I said, if, if if you've done this long enough, we've all been there. You know, something's not right, and I can't put my finger on it, and nobody will tell me really what exactly is going on, yada, yada, yada. Uh, how do you – I think that's really important to manage your own stress and, and yeah. your feelings of, of frustrations because – uh, you want this to work and you want it to work really oh, badly, yeah. but for whatever reason, it's not working at the, in the way that you had hoped or imagined at this point, you know, how, how do you manage those situations on a personal level to try and work your way through it? Well, I, you know, I just, um, I try my best to not bring it home with me, mm -hmm. um, make sure that, that I'm, I'm not wearing my wife out with, you know, what's going on in my head, um, unless she wants to talk about it. I used to handle it personally for me. And, and that was, I was going to work them so hard and be so hard on them that they at least had one thing in common. And that is they didn't like me at the time. And they would, and then eventually that would grow into really strong team chemistry and they would understand later on why we're doing what we're doing. But I don't think that works anymore with kids. I, I agree. And, and, you know, now I'm talking now, Marty, I'm talking 15, 20 years ago, you yeah. know, and, and, um, I really, what I've tried to do for me is we have a, we have a really great, um, mental health counselor at our school. And I love just going by and talking to him about certain kids. Mm -hmm. And if I'm having a problem with a kid and because the kid is just high maintenance or whatever, he's probably already had to deal with that kid in some capacity. Yeah. And, and I'm just trying to find out the best way to coach that kid. And, you know, I just went by the other day coaching golf. Now I have, um, I, you know, I have a kid who is a little different. I'm just, I'm new, I'm new, I'm the new golf coach. So I'm trying to figure out what's best for that kid. So for me, the way I'm dealing with it now is trying to get out of my old stubborn, you know, ways and okay, what can I do to best help this kid? And, and who, who knows how to help best this kid? I also have started a new thing where at some point it's usually in the spring when season's over <clears throat> with the upcoming team 
we've always met with our players. You know, we always meet with our players in the season and things like that to help us better understand them. But I started doing something this past spring that I think's really helped me with relationship building, which I think ultimately that's the answer, relationship building. But I called our parents of every player and I just met with them individually not all of them together but just those two parents or one parent if that was the situation and i said tell me something about your daughter that i don't know that will help me be a better coach for her or help me help her and i it was it, the parents received it and they were appreciative and they were honest and we had some great conversations and i've tried to take those things and use them when I'm coaching those mm-hmm. kids. And I also give our kids a handout now of how do you basically, you know, there's some questions on there and of how do you want to be coached? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was talking to um, a coach from Tennessee called me, um, a younger coach um, earlier this week. And we asked him some of those same questions and, you know, I'm going to send him those handouts and email him those. And that's kind of what I went to, to help me, to answer your question, you know, mm-hmm. if I if I feel like I'm helping the kid and I have a strong relationship, a trusting relationship with the kid, then that helps me because I know that kid's going to trust me and eventually we're going to get it to where it needs to be yeah. opposed to the, the old school stuff. Well, I'm, I'm just going to work as hard as I can and you're going to deal with it. Yeah. You know? I think one of the, the things that I've gone to, Dell, that has... Uh, and again, I don't know how wise I am, but as I get older, I'd like to think I'm a little bit wiser. But with with kids today, um, they want to have some say with things, right. whether whether we like it or not, whether we think they should or not. Right. And right. and so when when I need to, unless it's a really dire dire situation, and I can only think of two or three kids in my 25 years i would say okay i don't care what you think we're gonna have this conversation um i i have gone to starting out with the 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 situation with hey uh i would like to talk to you about blank whatever that whatever the topic may be what dealing with them um i i i think that it's important uh but i would like to have this conversation with you is it okay for us to sit down and have this conversation would you be open to having this conversation and yeah. that way in their mind it feels like okay i've i'm i'm giving you my permission to talk about this instead of the adult coming in and saying sure. you have to you have to do instead of a demand that the, right. that the coach is coming in with it is a cooperative thing where we're trying to work with you that I'm not trying to be demeaning to right. you or, or, or overly aggressive with you. Uh, it's, it's, this is a, I, I'm, I want to help you through this. And, and that seems like to me, just changing that verbiage a little bit and, uh, and, and just starting with, it, it's the same conversation one way or the other in the, at the end yeah. of it, but yeah. opening with that and essentially asking for their permission to have this conversation has helped with the receptiveness of those type of conversations with players um, over the last few years that I think um, just with the way our kids' brains work today, it, it just Absolutely. seems like it's helped out a lot. 
Yeah, and you know, just listening to you talk reminds me of my friend Rob Brost up at Bolingbrook, Illinois. You know, they're outside of Chicago. He's he's awesome with that stuff, and and also I talk to Greg White a lot about that things. And you know, there's there's new ways to do things and better ways to do things. And I think if we if we you know if we think we're through learning, then we're we're through learning. I mean, we're going, we're done, mm-hmm. and we doesn't matter how long we've coached. You know, things change and, and we have to figure out the most effective way to reach these kids. And I think that definitely it I don't know when it started to change a lot, but it definitely changed and it's not like it used to be when I first started coaching in the nineties. It's it's different and people who don't realize that will fail. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, you still have to give and in, in as far as the standards of behavior and and things like that that you're talking about you know you don't have to give in areas on the court as far as what your expectations are but as far as dealing with these kids today it's definitely different and and it's not going to change and we all have to constantly be working to try to change with it as far as being effective yeah you you, you hit the nail on the head our expectations should not be lowered no. we just need to adjust our methods of communicating to reach the kids so that they can meet the expectations that we have for them but never lower your expectations but what we have to think about as coaches is uh to to communicate it in a language that they're going to accept understand and accept and uh be comfortable with uh because kids are smarter today uh, they they have you know you know their brain and and I keep going back to this whenever I talk to coaches, their brains are different than ours. Uh, they are. They, it's completely different. They have grown up in a completely different world than mm-hmm. than the one that we've grown up in. So it's not up to them to adjust to us. They don't know anything different. We know two right. or three different types of worlds. You know, uh, yeah. We went from. Uh, Don Meyer VHS to Don Meyer DVD to now we're on Don Meyer streaming, um, yep. and right. and these guys only know Don Meyer streaming, and so yep. it's up to us to a degree not to change the message or change the expectation, but communicating how we're going to get to that point, and and that's where we need to do it as adults. And that's the reason why in the classroom used to, I never had to ask a kid for anything, but now when it comes to something on Google or the computer, I have a kid come up and show me how to do it, you know, and that they're so intelligent. And the bottom line is this, it's the same old thing of, you, you know, a hundred years ago, you still had to develop that, those relationships and you still had to have trust, but the way of going about it is so different and getting to that point is so different. Now you still have to have, that trust and you still have to have those strong relationships to, to be able to get at a high level and help these kids. But just the way we're going about it now is, is, is different. Yep. I think that's a great point to end on coach. I think that's, that's awesome. Del Leonard head girls basketball coach at mountain home high school in Arkansas coach. Thanks so much for coming on the pod this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Marty. I really enjoy it. I think this is your podcast and your website. It's such a great tool for coaches. And if if coaches aren't using it, then they need to be. Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick, any any social media, anything you want to plug for your program? Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on um, 
I'm guide. Yeah. If I tell you what, the best thing to do, I just give you my cell number, and if anyone wants to reach out to me, then I'll give them whatever they want. How's that? That's hey, hey, it's your cell phone, <laughs> um, not mine. That's right. Well, that's yeah. fine. I don't mind at all. Um, my cell number is eight seven zero four two one one zero nine zero, and my email is d l e o n a r d at m h bombers dot com. Yep. Not MN Bombers, MH Bombers. It only took me eight hours to figure that out the other day. (laughs) MH, yeah, Yeah. like Mountain Homes. Yeah. Coach, thanks thanks again for coming on here. Uh, Appreciate it. Great information, great talk today. I I really enjoyed it, so I I think our listeners are going to enjoy it as well. Uh, If you hold the line uh, a quick second, that'd be great. Um, You bet. uh, Again, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, go check out a pen and a napkin.com. Uh, this week's uh, topic for a pen and napkin university, media relations, social media, and fundraising. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, try to put out daily coaching stuff there. This week, it's uh, this last couple of weeks has been a little bit tougher getting into the new teaching job and actually having to, you know, uh, put together new lesson plans. Haven't had as much time for the a pen and a napkin stuff, but I keep trying to put that stuff out there. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. Download, rate, review, give us five stars. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. My name is Marty Plum. I've had the privilege of talking with Del Leonard this morning. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.